Everywhere we turn, we are faced with hot mess mom culture, celebrating the messier the more mom you are. And while yes, motherhood is messy and full of labor and love, I'm here to bring light to the claims Satan has on our lives as mothers. We are not messes. We are masterpieces designed by God on purpose for a purpose. So join me for a conversation about stewardship as we seek to intentionally multiply all God has blessed us with in motherhood, marriage, life, and faith. Let's focus like Philippians 4.8 calls us on whatever is true, wholesome, noble, right, pure, lovely, peaceful, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Together, we can raise a generation of masterpieces and steward our lives in a way that matters most. Hey friend, how are you? I hope you are having a beautiful day. It is a crisp fall day where I am. I'm sipping some water and hoping my nose will stop running soon. So you may be in the same boat. I wanted to come in here today and talk to you about something that's both interested me but also something that the Lord is causing me to discover wisdom about and maybe how you could benefit from some of that as well. I'm talking about something that may be a little controversial today, but stick with me. Um, If you are kind of put off at first, I would love to hear your thoughts and your takeaways from this episode. We are, and normally I stay away from hot button topics, things that um, might incite anger or big controversy, because ultimately what my goal is, is to point you back to the gospel and point you back to a life of stewardship. Uh, But something that comes up a lot in the circles I'm in and that has kind of interested me for some time now is the, drum roll please, the Enneagram. Now don't turn this off if you are put off by that. What I mean by that is in some evangelical circles, the Enneagram is associated with the an occult um, and like Satanistic type things. So give me a little leeway as we work our way through this. First of all, if you haven't heard of the Enneagram, you may have been under a rock for the last five years. Um, It is, if I have any type of description, is a personality quiz or a characteristic quiz, something like Myers-Briggs, which I never liked very much. Even when I was working in human resources and helping departments work their way through Myers-Briggs, it never was something that really resonated with me. It didn't seem... um, logical or really beneficial because the Myers-Briggs could change. You could be stronger in one area, different parts of your life. The reason I started looking into the Enneagram was because you start as one of the nine Enneagram types and you continue on in that Enneagram type. There's no um, changing and it really is something that's more about your innate characteristics, right? So um, things like being easygoing, um, the decisive type, the perfectionist, the secretive, um, the more expressive 
types. There are nine types there, um, and you take a quiz and you find out your type. So the origins of the Enneagram aren't uh, aren't like totally uh, substantiated. There are lots of claims for who developed it, who started using it, and who brought it into Christianity, or mainly the Catholic Church, um, and has picked up in evangelical circles in the last few years. Um, and because it is in like a triangle slash star shape, um, many evangelicals relate it to like a pentagram, which would be satanic. So hear me out here. Here are a couple of things. Here are a couple of the reasons I like the Enneagram and a couple of reasons where you want to may, may want to use wisdom to discern whether or not you want to even look at it. Um, so first of all, one of the reasons I really like it is because it is a really simple classification tool. You take a quiz and then you pop out as a one through a nine. I am a one, uh, normally called the perfectionist, the reformer, the idealistic type. We're very principled, very purposeful, and that may surprise you. Um, and then there are other types like the helper. The, my husband's a number three. He's an achiever. He's very driven. He's very image conscious. He excels at a lot. He's very adaptive. Um, I have friends that are sevens, which are the enthusiast. I have friends that are type eight, the challenger. Um, I have a sister-in-law that's a peacekeeper. She's a nine. I have another sister-in-law that's also a number two, the helper. Um, and so each of those are different types and have different characteristics. One reason I really like it is that it has given me language to talk about what I'm experiencing in life, like where my motives are generated from. As a perfectionist, a moral um, perfectionist, I am very motivated by this is right and this is wrong. I see the world very black and white, which as a one, when people don't see the world that way and they see lots of shades of gray, that puts me over the edge. And so it's really given me a baseline for talking about how I experience the world and how I see it. Now, the second way reason I really like it, um, it's given me a way to relate to my friends or my husband. Um, when people tell me they're a type two or a type three or a type four, I have an understanding of what they're saying by that. If they're a type two, they are adamant about not necessarily people pleasing in a bad way, but they are generous and caring and very um, demonstrative of their care and compassion for others, um, they really do get labeled people pleasers a lot of the time, just like number ones get labeled the perfectionist. There are both good and bad things about each of those types. And when we're living out a godly life, we are more than a number, but it gives us a baseline for communicating what we're experiencing and then loving and serving our friends or our spouses well. And when you hear me say that, when Justin became a, you know, I found out Justin was a three and I started looking more into that. 
threes are very um, geared toward excelling. They want to be viewed as good. They want to be viewed as strong. They want to have good reputations. They do activities and they excel in activities out of wanting to be respected and looked up to. They want to be looked at as achievers. Where my overachieving comes from a um, background of wanting to be right. I want to be I want to do it for the right reasons. The motives matter. Where for a three, they are going to excel and be driven because they want other people to notice that they're doing the right thing. Does that make sense? Um, And those can be good and bad things. Um, As a one, I may hurt somebody's feelings because they're not doing the right thing. And a three may hurt somebody's feelings because they're just trying to achieve a higher than the person next to them. Does that make sense? So there can be good and bad things. The other thing that I learned by doing this with Justin was that he really takes criticism harshly. Like when you point out something that he has done incorrectly or could do better, it tears him down. Now, as a one, I like to point out things that are people are doing wrong so they can make it better. You can see how that might cause problems in a marriage. And it has. So um, it really helps me uh, be a good friend. I know my friend Brittany that's a two. I love her to pieces. She cares so well for other people and very seldomly asks for things in return. She is a giver. She is a carer. She uh, has compassion in in amounts that I can't imagine the way she cares for others. So one way I really focus on loving her is by reaching out and saying, you know, I saw what you did for so-and-so. That really touched my heart. I appreciate the way you cared for them. Or, you know, you helped my son Levi do X, Y, and Z, and I really appreciate that. Showing appreciation for them and the way they care for others is something that really goes deep into their hearts. Um, I have a friend that is a seven. She's an enthusiast. My friend Mary, she's precious, but good golly, she is busy. She loves fun. She loves adventure. Man, she loves to off the cuff come up with a very fun idea. Spontaneity is her gift. Um, She will like make sure everybody at a gathering is knows each other and is having a good time. She wants everybody to be experiencing life the fun way she does. Now to me, from time to time, that might to a one seem very distractible, um, maybe even scattered. But when I really hone in on why that is her strength, I can love her better. And man, if you take her to a Bible study or um, another home or a birthday party, she is going to make everybody that walks through the door feel valued because she wants them to have a good time like she is. Um, And then, you know, I have a sister-in-law that's a nine. She is a peacemaker. She's very easygoing. Um, She's very receptive. She's very reassuring. She is so agreeable. 
But where nines may need to be careful, and as I'm like loving on her and appreciating her for the way God made her, um, my one, when I'm being critical, could label that as complacent. So when I'm trying to take my thoughts captive and think about my friends the way the Lord sees them, not as perfect individuals, but as beautiful people made in the image of God, they all display a piece of God's glory, right? So it helps me speak into those areas where they have strengths and love on them and speak to them really well and build them up in their faith in those areas that really speak to them. And then it helps me be gentle in areas where I might, as a one, be quick to be critical of. So when I say the Enneagram can be beneficial, those are the reasons, both giving me language for you know, what I'm experiencing as a human. And then on the flip side, helping me recognize the gifts that God has given people and the strengths and weaknesses that he's given people. And really using those as an identification tool, not necessarily anything that has um, eternity ramifications. Does that make sense? So where we can take this the wrong way as believers is putting more faith in the Enneagram than we do in scripture. Saying, I am pigeonholed to this type and God cannot um, revive or restore this area of my life. Or becoming prideful in an area where we really succeed. That's where the Enneagram can lead to sin. Um, So as believers in Jesus, we really should probably less about, um, you know, where it came from, because it's a fad that will likely fade away in a few years, just like Myers-Briggs or the red, blue, green tests, um, those parachute tests, those types of things. where we need to wonder if we're spending too much energy is on a tool that hasn't been scientifically validated. So um, let me leave you with this verse. Uh, in Romans 14, 14 through 23, we never, if we're looking at that, Paul asks us to not do anything that will cause our weaker brothers and sisters to stumble. So if this new age oriented tool, the Enneagram, leads to more quote unquote self-discovery, self-love, pride, um, relying on the Enneagram more than you do the gospel, don't do it. And don't ask your friends to do it that may fall into that. But if it's just giving you a tool to talk about like, hey, you know, I'm really struggling to see the world the way you do. And this is how I see it. And I think this might be how you see it. Is that correct? Then great. Use it as a tool. Don't use it for anything more than that. Um, I hope that as we encounter anything, any tool within the world, that we will pray for wisdom And pray a prayer of God, search my heart. And we're not asking him to know us better because he knows us intimately. He made us. What we're asking when we ask the Lord to seek, you know, search our hearts 
It's for him to reveal those areas where we might have blind spots. Where we might be blind to the work he's trying to do in our lives. Where we might be insensitive to the nudges of the Holy Spirit. So as we go into our days, here's a prayer that we can pray, whether we're encountering the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or Red, Green, Blue. We can say, Father, you made me. You know me best. And in the midst of this broken world, God, give thank you for the tools you've given us to talk about it. But Father, if you don't want me to use this, give me wisdom and understanding for why. And Father, if I need to stop pointing my friends in this direction, stop my mouth from speaking those words. And Father, if I need to better understand a friend and this will help, God, let me use it rightly. Because I don't want to ever do anything that will hurt your gospel and your truth. Because ultimately, everything we need to know about ourselves can be found in your word. That's why you gave it to us. So Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us and equip us and energize us, that he would search us and help us know how you want us to live out the gospel in our day-to-day lives, how you want us to talk about our personalities, how you want us to use our strengths and correct our weaknesses. God, strengthen us as the body as we strengthen look to strengthen each other. God, thank you for the gift of friendship and marriage and all the tools that you've given us to do that in a healthy way. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen.